Hi, I'm Tony Moore, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer, and you don't want no part of this shit. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. Welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 175. My name is Jay, the Jedi Ross. Please excuse me while I flick my bick. Destrustifying. Oh, it's a good time to destrustify, kids. It's a good time to take it down a notch. Chill things out just a little bit. Because the world is spinning fast there is so much getting tossed at us right now it is unbelievable where to even begin uh i watched jessica jones really really cool lots of things i thought were super dope about it the whole film noir private eye type deal was very fun to watch and they happen to be superheroes superhero sex banging tearing that room up with the with the sweet christmas and all Super, super cool. I really enjoyed it. I think overall I like Daredevil a little bit better. Just a little more action. But David Tennant. God damn, David Tennant. Uh, if he doesn't get an award for that of some sort, everything's just wrong. All awards mean nothing. If he doesn't get recognized for this performance, which is easily the greatest Marvel villain ever put to screen. I'm sorry I know all of you enjoy your Loki Pokey, but... This was something else. This was next level shit. David Tennant as the Purple Man. Unbelievable. If you haven't seen Jessica Jones yet, you need to do it purely for the sole purpose of witnessing the performance of Mr. David Tennant. Um, You know, you go in a little biased because you love the guy because he was our wonderful 10th Doctor. But what a flip of the coin because this is completely the other side. And he... I, I thought it'd be cool, you know, you know the Purple Man, you know it's mind control, that kind of thing, but the way they treated it, and the way they handled it, and the way he was absolutely just so purely, I, just, just, ignorant, just, just flippant, just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, it's escaping my tongue right now, but just indifferent, that's what I'm looking for, the ultimate in evil indifference, or at least the evil that indifference can cause, a uh, perfect example set forth by the Purple Man. Uh, yeah, watch it, kids. David Tennant making it happen. 
uh, he's around these days too. I mean, of course, we were familiar with him showing up on Star Wars: The Clone Wars, which was really cool, teaching the Padawan uh, how to construct Padawani things like light sabers. Um, and the Ninja Turtles cartoon. He also plays a robot on the Ninja Turtles cartoon uh, that's going on on Nickelodeon, and uh, that's really neat. Really neat too, indeed. So David Tennant doing his thing, owning it up. See Jessica Jones, and she's really cool. Uh, I got a bit of a crush on the Jessica Jones. Absolutely, um, totally my type of don't give a fuck bitch. You know, very very cool. Uh, what else happened? What else has gone on? So much that I can't even uh, place it at the moment. I can tell you about some fun things coming. Oh, yeah, the Batman vs. Superman teaser for the trailer that will be coming out tonight. I'm recording this intro on Wednesday, uh, December 2nd. And tonight on Jimmy Kimmel, they'll be dropping the new Batman vs. Superman trailer. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. But the teaser, uh, if you've all seen it, which I'm sure you have uh, at this point. Superman going into his little underground tunnel and ripping the mask off Batman. Holy crap, holy shit. Uh, I'm guessing dream sequence. That's the big theory that I'm hearing. Uh, there was an action figure released of that Batman with the cape and the, sorry, the coat and the goggles. The kind of gas, uh, Gotham by Gaslight type Batman. And they call it Nightmare Batman. Which I'm really leaning towards that whole edge of things. I don't see Superman being okay with having an army of followers like kind of the Sons of Batman, Dark Knight type thing like these Sons of Superman. I really don't see him being comfortable with that at all. So I'm calling Dream Sequence. That's what I'm calling. Uh, Star Wars is coming so soon. Starting to get really tweaked out over this. I got tickets for the 17th, 8 o'clock p.m., I will be there, and I will be seeing it, and I'm sure I will not be able but to spill it into Instant Pod the second it's done. That'll be coming for you, uh, my reaction a la an elegant weapon. Uh, there's never been an elegant weapon when there's been a Star Wars movie uh, released, so this is stupidly fun and exciting. Uh, yeah, so that's all been going on. We got some events coming up this Saturday, December 4th, Toronto Comic-Con Fan Days, downtown at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. Uh, Toronto Comic-Con, just throwing a one-day little affair for all the fans to come down and do the Christmas shopping that they would want to do for their friends and family. So come on down. I believe it's 11 to 4. Uh, you know the spot in the T-Dot. The Metro Toronto Convention Center, Toronto Comic Con Fan Days. Uh, all our good friends will be there. A. Shehan will be there. Uh, David Bishop, the Renerd, will be there. I think Sean Daly's coming by. I actually haven't heard from him if he's going to be there. But the Black Hole Hunters Club kids will be there. Shana Mato, Ricky Lima. Uh, lots and lots of cool local greater Toronto area artists will be there. Uh, including also uh, Mike Ruth, who was on the last episode. I hope you heard and enjoyed of Pints of Pages Part 1 and 2. Again, Shay, thank you so much for throwing that event. We had an absolute blast hanging out, drinking, drawing, and being merry. Uh, you can catch that on our last two episodes. If you're coming in this into this as a newbie, if this is your first time listening to An Elegant Weapon, and you want to hear some live pint pages talk parts one and two are our last two episodes go check them out for the finest and coolest in local toronto comic creating talent 
the next following weekend, December 12th, happening here in the SOG, Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. It's happening down in Port Credit, the Greater Toronto Area Comic Con, the GTA Comic Con. That is right. This is my favorite one-day affair of the year. It's amazing. It's the perfect little one-day con. Uh, in the past, I've gotten a chance to speak with uh, Zach Calligan of the Gremlins. Had a great conversation. Uh, e. Roger Miller, I got to know. Sorry, E. Roger Mitchell, I got to know. He's from The Walking Dead, uh, The Hunger Games, Anchorman 2, uh, a whole bunch of shit. And he's got some really, really cool stuff coming out uh, this year coming as well. I got to know him even better when we were hanging out at Motor City Comic Con last year. An amazingly cool guy, just about as positive as you can get, E. Roger Mitchell. Uh, go back in the archives, kids. Go to An Elegant Weapon. Uh, go to the search. Type in E. Roger Mitchell. Get to know the fella and the other cool artists we've talked to in the past from the GTA Comic-Con. So there you go. Toronto Comic-Con Fan Days this weekend, December 2nd, will be there. Sorry, December 5th, we will be there. This Friday is the 4th, so Saturday is the 5th. I think I straightened that out. I hope it's straight to you. I hope I'm keeping it straight. So, now that all that business is off the table, we shall get around to this evening's business. This evening's business consists of a really, really cool conversation I got to have with an amazing comic book creator. Surprise, surprise, out of Michigan. Uh, His name is Dan Doherty. Uh, Holy crap, what a cool guy. He has a book. It's called Touching Evil. A bunch of issues have been released, but he is now collecting it into, I believe, a 240-page hardcore graphic novel. Hardcover, hardcore, bringing it correct. So the Kickstarter is on for that right now, and it's almost funded. I believe uh, he's going for 9400 or 9500 and he is at like 87 or 85 or something like that and there's still 15 days to go uh something that's really cool that's happened in the podcast community in the past year or so uh, is getting to know all these other podcasts from michigan from toronto and such um it was we've kind of almost built like a little circuit like a talk show type circuit and there's so many cool people out there wanting to talk to independent comic creators that they're starting to get around Uh, i think dan's been on like seven or eight podcasts or something ridiculous in the past like couple weeks so i've held off a bit i've held off a teeny little tiny little bit why because i like to bring up the rear so here you go uh he may have some more shows pop up i don't know at this point i think it's a foregone conclusion that we are going to get touching evil uh the hard cover graphic novel kids if you haven't read touching evil you must read touching evil it is an absolutely phenomenal book it's one of the best things i have read this year um a well written well drawn well constructed well edited well thought out uh, original original story uh you really got to check it out so touching evil Dan Doherty, that is the main focus of the conversation tonight. But, of course, we go into a few other things as well. Dan is a super, super, super cool guy, uh, very, very talented, and that's always nice when talented people are nice people as well. And I get to have a nice talk with them. So here you go, kids. Uh, Please go to the Kickstarter, go to Kickstarter, and enter in Touching Evil, and it will uh, appear before you, and you shall pledge and help to make it a reality. Um, it's especially the kind of book that you do want to have collected into a graphic novel because 
the second I finished the first issue, I was like, more, 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 more. What happens next? Oh my God, more, more, more. It is absolutely one of those type things. So here we go. Uh, not a huge landmark, but it's kind of cool to say that this is episode 175 of An Elegant Weapon with Mr. Dan Doherty. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I'm at Grand Rapids Comic Con there in uh, beautiful Grand Rapids, Michigan, and chatting with uh, good friend Mr. Dirk Manning. <laughs> and he says to me, what do you mean you haven't had Dan Doherty on your show yet? <laughs> that's Dirk. That's my man. And uh, the shame, you know, came across my face. Uh, I decided to rectify that. So thanks so much for hanging out for a bit, man. Yeah, thanks for being guilted into <laughs> No, no, no. It's uh, any recommend uh, recommendation of Dirk's is, is one I usually follow. So, what what is your history with the Dirkalicious one? Oh, Dirk, the man himself. He um he and I we've been doing conventions for a long time. Um, and I know we've crossed paths for longer than we've been like super good friends. But I know that the pivotal turning point involved karaoke in indiana and bohemian rhapsody um <laughs> we had a we had a night uh it was the first indiana comic-con that was a few years back and uh just a bunch of people went out afterwards and i knew dirk at that point like i i considered him to be like one of my my con friends in the sense that you know when i see him at a con i would we would hang out and talk or whatever and say hi but um something about that night was magical man like <laughs> it was just it was a bunch of people got together at this table we didn't know there was karaoke until it was upon us and then one thing led to another and by the end of it we had formed like a karaoke super group that included him myself and tony mielo so uh we never really looked back after that now you know dirk and i are, are good friends tony and i are good friends and uh dirk's been really super helpful with um just kind of being my my guru on this kickstarter thing like i've been going to him for for advice um since he's obviously you know done this before um and he's been really just great about giving me the the right kind of advice and also he's been cool enough to add his name to one of the stretch goals so yeah dirk and i are are um are pretty tight He's, uh, it's, it's usually the same story. Uh, words like guru and such being uh, thrown around with that fellow, you know, he's such a, such an inspiration and he takes that karaoke seriously, man. Like, he, oh God, yes. <laughs> I, you know, I was just talking to, um, another, uh, guy that was at, um, DerbyCon, uh, Eric and he, um, he and I were just chatting not too long ago and he was talking about how him and Dirk went up and did cult of personality and um i tell you man when you get up there with just with dirk he takes over he's just he becomes possessed by the karaoke gods oh he had some great performances in grand rapids a couple of weeks ago there I, <laughs> I it. it was a weird little place we went to what was it called it was called the uh, the playstation pub okay and it was an old pizza hut 
and all the architecture is still totally old school Pizza Hut. So <laughs> you go inside, it's like really low ceilings and stuff, and uh, yeah, it's this tiny little bar. But they they were giving her that night, just rocking it hard, you know. <laughs> oh, was that that was in that was in Grand Rapids? You said? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I was there. Um, we did karaoke there too. If that's the same place I'm thinking about. Um, that place is hilarious because yeah, you're exactly right. It's like an old Pizza Hut, and they never got rid of like the architectural design of it. They just put their stuff in there. Yeah, totally. totally. Yeah, it's I've been still, there. It's still carpeted and stuff. Yeah, it's got the the weird uh, triangular top to it, whatever it is. The that you know is a Pizza Hut that like yeah. rectangle <laughs> triangle thing. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, you gotta love it, eh? So, yeah. is your is your convention sp- uh, schedule as busy as Dirk's? Um, I'm getting there. Dirk's he he's got the record, I think. Um, I think he's the undefeated champ of like most shows. I, th- I forget what it was, like most consecutive shows. Um, well, there was but, a little stretch last year where he did like 18 shows in like 15 days or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a stupid number. I was like, are you kidding me, man? Like, what are you doing? But he um. I definitely have ramped it up for next year. This year I did, I'd say about 15 shows, I think. Um, and I think next year I'm in the 20s. So Jeez, that's that's a pretty good run, man. And you've you've got a family. You got a, a, a wee one there as well, yeah. Yeah, she's uh, she's six months old now, and uh, by the time convention season rolls around, you know she'll be closer to eight or nine months. So I try to pick shows that you know, the count, the shows that like I've already done, I've kind of vetted out so that when I'm away from them, it's worth it because, you know, it's the, it's the worst when you, you have to leave your family, but you want to at least come away with something for it. And uh, I've been doing conventions for years now and between doing shows and then hearing about shows from people like Dirk and uh, other colleagues of mine, um, I'm definitely trying to find like the shows that I, I hit my audience the best at, but oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going heavy next year. And I think after next year, I'll probably revise the list and, and, uh, make it even more about the ones that are <laughs> really potent. It's crazy now that like, you can like whittle your list down to 20. I mean, 15 years ago, there wasn't, uh, you know, there wasn't 20 cons in the country, you know? I know. So, yeah. yeah. yeah it, it, you're, you're exactly right about that. Like, that's I think the hard part about finding the right shows to do is because I've I don't think I've ever seen so many cons being put on as as right now. Like there's got to be some sort of moment where there, it 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 goes too far and it backlashes a bit. But I get invited to shows like every week, and I'm like, uh, there's already three shows going on that weekend, guys. Like I can't. Yeah, totally. It's 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 it's, it's just a money machine too. You know, it's almost it's 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 a new industry kind of unto itself, right? Like yeah. It's yeah. it's it's an insane money making machine, and they'll keep driving it out. But I like that there's scale. You know, you can you can find like a nice perfect one day con in a small town somewhere, and follow it up the next week with a a giant show in Denver or Toronto or yeah, because you, exactly. you pace yourself with that stuff. Like so, it's not so grueling. If if I was doing big show after big show every week, I'd probably go nuts. But those one day shows, if you get a good one. Those are my favorite ones because you just you're in and out. You just do do the show, and it's it's a, if it's a built-in good audience, then you get what you need out of it. You have a good time, and then you walk away. Uh, speaking of 
audience. Uh, there's one obviously there waiting for you, helping you along. Because what in how many days was it in? You reached pretty much the halfway point almost. Yeah, I'm now officially past the halfway point as of last night. Um, so yeah, I, it's, I launched it on Monday and it's Saturday, and uh, we're almost at five thousand dollars of a ninety-five hundred dollar goal. That's fantastic, man. That's a, that's a really nice response. Like, oh god, yeah. Yeah, it's got to feel good, you know. I mean, I, I think I talked to two people with Kickstarters this year that pretty much. Uh, Dirk, I think Dirks was one because Dirks funded in like two days or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And uh, oh, I hate that I'm blanking out on the other, but the other was was it Sean Daly? Oh, I'm blanking out right now, but the other like it took like three or four hours longer than Dirks did, and it was just like one week of just crazy Kickstarters coming out. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's 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 nice. You, you gotta feel good when it goes that way, you know. Yeah, it really does. Um, you know, it's it's coming from a a place where I'm really relying heavy on, on my fan base to like what I do because Touching Evil is still a growing um, property. Like I feel like uh, people know me more for Beardo, and I've been developing this Touching Evil project since 2013, um, and I finally have taken this plunge where I'm going, okay, let's 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 go big on this guys. Let's take the issues one through seven and, and collect them into a hardcover. So it's a tall order. And the fact that my fan base has reacted so well to it really makes me feel good about, you know, where I'm at as a, as a creator. Well, I mean, I got introduced to you through, through Dirk pointing you out and, uh, you were kind enough to send me a few reviews and stuff. So I'm not even familiar with Beardo, but now I am absolutely going to go back and get familiar with Beardo because <laughs> Touching Evil is so damn good. It's, Thank you. Oh, dude, I love it. It's it's not what I not, not that I knew what to expect, but I'm glad it was something that I couldn't have expected. If that makes sense. Yes, that's exactly what I want. I like yeah. that. It's uh, the first thing for me was how well constructed it is. Thank you. Yeah, that um, that took a lot of, of patience on my part because I, I have been sitting on the story for a long time. Um, so the good news about that when you sit on it is that you do get to really think things through. Um, the tricky part is knowing when to let go of it. And um, I finally just took the plunge, like I said, like a few years ago to start putting it out there. And um, I just feel really nice. I, I feel like if people like this first story arc, then I feel really good about it because I know that they'll like the rest of it. Um, cause that's just the setup. Like the, the real payoff to me is coming. And, um, and I try to build within each story arc enough for you to feel like you've got a complete story. So if that's what you're saying, that makes me feel really good. It is what I'm saying. And, uh, even more so just, uh, kind of, yeah, like you're self editing, like, uh, just the arrangement of the story as you're kind of jumping around here and there is uh nothing nothing feels out of place or confused you know what i mean like it's uh i don't know it's it keeps you controlled right to the end and then it i mean there's obviously no better compliment i can give a comic than the second i was finished at the last panel i wanted more (laughs) instantly like oh my god I need yeah. part two. What the hell happens? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's I. I was really happy with where it, it lands. Um, that felt like the the season had you know finale basically for for touching evil season one. 
Um, and uh, I'm really excited because right now I'm working on what would be considered season two. And again, it's a patience game of going like, okay, I really want to show people this, but I really want the experience to be the same as with the first book where, you know, you pick up the issue and, and read it in the way it's meant to be read. And um, So the fact that this Kickstarter is going so well makes me feel really good about the future for it. And you're totally solo on this, eh? Yeah, I um, I do. I hire out colorists for the, the coloring. And then uh, for the series, issue one through seven, I a good friend of mine, Stephen Bryant, was doing the covers. Um, and I, I'll probably have a new uh, cover artist for the next story arc. I might even do them myself at this point. But um, but yeah, essentially, it's a labor of love that's kind of beginning and ending with me because I, I write it, I pencil and ink it, um, I letter it, and uh, I publish it myself. Good God, man. What came first for you, the writing or the art? Uh, definitely the writing. Uh, the concept alone was, was the thing that I was most interested in of being able to kill somebody um, with a touch of your hand if they're evil. Um, and so I, I went through a bunch of different versions of it before I came on one that I really liked. And that one centered on, on Ada, who ends up being my, my main character. But then drawing it, too, has been fun because um, I try to make it look like it is in a sort of believable world so that when you do this supernatural stuff, it, you know, it really has more of an impact as a result. So uh, scouting out locations I'll do, um, getting people to, to model for certain things for me I've been doing, and I just have a blast doing it, uh, especially as someone who's worked on other people's projects. To be able to work on your own is great. What came first as far as you in life? Like, were you into writing before you were drawing or vice versa? Um, as far as life, uh, that's a good question. I, I feel like uh, comics has always been kind of a language for me that I, I felt really comfortable with because uh, my first memories are drawing um, comics with, with my mom um, and mostly just drawing, like, my <laughs> the 80s uh, heroes of the 1980s, like He-Man and G.I. Joe, and <laughs> right on. Yeah, so um, so yeah, I've always really enjoyed comics as a as a special kind of medium that blends visuals and, and narrative. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I I think that people always said like when I was a kid that um, you know I was always doodling essentially. So I think maybe the the drawing came first. Right on. Um... So I'm being not familiar with Beardo. I'm getting the impression that Touching Evil is a bit of a departure. Yeah. Uh, from yeah. you know, give me give me the laydown a bit on Beardo. Well, Beardo is is very different in the sense that um, almost in every possible sense, really, because it's it's a comic strip. Um, so it's it's anecdotal and it's it's short form. Um, it tend it tends to be like observational humor, and it really follows me. I'm Beardo. Um, trying to juggle being an artist and an adult at the same time. And when I started doing it, it was mostly about like working in retail um, while you're trying to kind of moonlight as a, as an artist and it's gone four volumes at this point. So Beardo grows up, Beardo uh, starts being full-time freelance artist, Beardo gets married. And the one I'm doing right now, you know, he has a baby, which is again, just following my day-to-day -day life. How long have you been doing it? Uh, next year will be 10 years. What? Yeah. You got, I got to send you some PDFs. I'm gonna, yeah. 
I'm a, I'm a wee bit behind. I apologize. It's, I will know? catch you up. I promise. <laughs> it's, you know, it's hard though, man, because you're also in a group of people and artists in a certain area where the talent is so flush right now. Yeah, yeah it's. I really feel like there, and I don't know how much people are aware of this, but like, you know, artist alleys that I've been a part of are just packed with people that I, if I was not there, I would, I would want to go as a, as a fan and just go see, like I've done some shows recently where I'm like, man, you know, do people realize how talented this, this room is right now? It's insane. It's ridiculous. Like I, I talk about this too much on the show. I've been consciously trying to talk about it less, but there's something special happening in Michigan. Yes. Michigan is hot. It, it's unreal. Yeah. So yeah. I, I try not to dwell on it too much because I do talk about it a lot on this show. But there, there's just a, an abundance of talent coming there, out of there, and they're all super supportive of each other. And it's it's just really cool, man. And it's something that, you know, being from up north here, it's something I try to take home with me, you know. And that's one cool thing about having a podcast is you can kind of lend a voice to these creators and they can hear each other and meet each other and – you know, exactly. It, it, yeah. It's a really cool thing, and there's a conscious effort in Michigan to make this happen. And you know, there's a few things. Just last weekend, uh, a friend of mine, uh, an artist, Andrew Shehan, he put together an event called Pints and Pages. That, oh, nice. uh, Yeah, it was cool, and he just brought together a bunch of the you know Toronto's local kind of comic creators, mm-hmm. and uh, set up in a back room in a bar, and it was just you know good times, drawing and drinking and laughing and. You know, doing commissions, and it was a, it was a great old time. You know, and it, that's something I see naturally happen in other places more. So, it's really fun to have it happening around here. You know, so yeah, yeah, it, it, I I second that entirely. Um, I'll tell you, you know, my times that I spent going to Michigan shows, or even just going to comic shops in Michigan. Um, the one I specifically frequent is um, Comics and More in uh, Madison Heights. It's it's Chris Brown's store, and um. I tell you, man, if I didn't have guys like Chris Brown, like Touching Evil wouldn't exist the way it does right now because he he already was a fan of Beardo when I pitched him like, hey, I'm doing this new comic. Would you be interested in like supporting it, um, Touching Evil? And I meant I meant that in both the carrying it and also um, advertising in it. And so he did both. And uh, he did it just because he likes my work. Like he didn't do it knowing what the book was. Uh, but that's the kind of that's the kind of uh, people that I feel like I see a lot in Michigan. Um, when I go to conventions um, or if I go to s- signings at like his store or whatnot, um, it's really like a, a rabid kind of growing culture. And I love it. Uh, Chicago has it too, but you know, it's nice to go out of side of your, your home base and hit something and, and realize that like they're treating you like you're one of them. Yes, definitely. And it's also, I think it's a bit different with, uh, you and I are almost in the exact same situation with Toronto and Chicago being pretty much around the exact same population. Yeah. And, uh, in Toronto, at least like the, the opportunity for art, as far as, you know, education or just, you know, influence and the, the amount, the art community in Toronto is, it's abundant, you know, it's, it's, especially with the comic creators, that are like within the area. I mean, Jason Fabok, you know, Dave Ross, Dave Finch, Ty Templeton. These are all guys who are all in like within an hour of each other, you know? Yeah. And it's an insane thing. But Chicago, I, I got to imagine it's got to be difficult there too, just because the community is so big 
to like make more personal relationships as far as creators go, it's a more difficult thing to do. Whereas, you know, Michigan's right at that perfect level where they all know each other and it kind of self weeds out the people who kind of don't fit in in a way, you know, just cause like the talent is, it's insane. Right. So yeah, but yeah. Chicago's Chicago's my next kind of big thing too. I'm, I'm a little perturbed that I haven't attended C2E2 yet. So that's something I have to rectify for sure. You really should. I tell you, and I felt like I've, I've gone to every C2E2 since it started, um, and I've tabled at every one of them. And it's always been a great show, but last year there was something in the air where I felt like it had finally hit a tipping point to the next level. Um, and it was hands down the best show I'd ever done, uh, as, uh, you know, both, both monetarily and just, um, connecting with the audience. Uh, so it really feels like the C2E2 brand has become something of like a, a staple as far as the big shows go, but, and they still keep it, they still make it feel like it's, it's kind of intimate, even though it's massive. Um, the fact that you can get a hold of the people running the show, like really easily is no easy feat for them. I'm sure. That's a big thing to be said, man, because, I mean, like, Fan Expo here in Toronto, it's next to near impossible to get the hold of a human being who has anything to do with anything. Sure. Well, they it's, get so big, right? It's oh, like... yeah. I mean, well, at this point, I mean, neck and neck number three, you're talking. I mean, you got San Diego, New York, and Toronto doing their yeah. thing. And now you've got creeping up other shows that are just like like Denver. Denver is only a 4-year-old show and it is monstrous. Like yeah. it's it's huge, you know? So, you know, it's unfortunately it's kind of more one of those pop expo type things. Like I think they uh they need to work on their artist sally a little, but that's coming from a biased comic lover at the same time, but you sure. know, that's 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 what I love about Motor City Comic Con. That's Motor City's my favorite stop of the year, for sure. Like it's yeah. It's it's an incredible. It's right there. It's the perfect balance of big and small, you know. Yeah, and that's actually a show that I want to add to my list for next year. It's um, it's a show that I've I've been wanting to do for a few years now, but I think every year there was a reason why I couldn't. I think this past year is it landed too close to the birth of my daughter, and I was like, right. ah, I really wanted to go. <laughs> but uh, this year I I actually have it marked on my calendar, even though I don't think <laughs> registration's opened yet. So I gotta go. I gotta get there. Yeah. It's, it, well, the cool thing about that one is the way that uh, if you can get into it, the hotel is attached to the convention center. Yes. And it's it's like a three-day, 24-hour Comic-Con. Like there's no going home. The thing just is continually – continuously there's something happening, you know? It's just and, never – it's like the, the con that never sleeps essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally yeah. right. And it's uh, – you know, it's a party, so – you know, looking forward to it. So why don't we delve a bit into uh, rewards and such to get people a little uh, mouth-watering over this Kickstarter? What do you got to offer? Yeah, I actually I have a, a lot that I'm really excited about. Um, the rewards at the, some of the, the, the kind of base levels are pretty easy to, to, to come by, pretty easy to get and get on board with. But what's cool about it is that um, what I'm doing for everybody is that after if you get a level that's the hardcover or above, if we start hitting the stretch goals, you start getting even more cool stuff. So I'll just tell you what real quick the, the reward levels are. Um, there's a t-shirt level, there's a digital PDF level, there's the hardcover, which is kind of the one that everyone's been gravitating towards. Um, there's add-ons that go beyond that. There's original art, um, whether it's custom art for uh, the person buying 
or it's original pages from the the storyline. Um, then we start getting up to the the top levels where you can actually be be drawn into the second story arc of Touching Evil um, as a character that gets killed by Ada. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm, I'm really excited about. That's still available, too. That's um, that's one of the, the higher levels, but there's only... I think I gave five of those are available. Um, so there's that. Then there's, uh, there's one where you can get drawn into Beardo, so anyone who's a Beardo fan will get... Uh, drawn into their very own comic strip that will be featured into volume five, which comes out next year. Um, and then for people who are crazy, there's actually a level where we can go out to dinner. <laughs> I That's call it, fantastic. Yeah. It's called the burritos are evil level. So I, I'll, <laughs> I'll take you out for a burrito or whatever you want. I just like burritos. Oh, I fucking love burritos, man. I yeah. can tell you I'm a burrito <laughs> freak. So I'm totally feeling you, you know, other than the, fa- other than, uh, I mean, obviously the number one thing that's come out of Kickstarter has been this ability for people to get their works published and made. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the second best thing is in the fan respect is the rewards is the stuff you can get is insane. Like, yeah, I love trial. Sometimes I'll troll Kickstarter just to see what people are offering as rewards because, Sometimes the rewards are better offered than the actual product once in a while, you know. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've got right now. I mean, the just the the base thing that people could get is I'm I'm putting a lot of work into it. It's a 240 page hardcover, full color, um, and it co- it collects the complete one through seven story arc uh, with additional pinups by Ryan Brown, Andrew Dimmitt, and Doug Klauba, um, and then. There's an additional story in there as well that won't be featured anywhere else. But uh, you know what I like about, like I said before, like the campaign is the the stretch goals. If I hit those, um, they're really incredible. Uh, the the first one's just a button. That's the button's cool, but that's not the one I'm excited about. The twelve thousand dollars stretch goal is uh, everyone at the hardcover level and above gets this the next issue, issue eight for free. It'll come with your your pledge. Um, the $13,000 levels where it gets really interesting because you get a exclusive Kickstarter comic written by Dirk Manning and drawn by me that is a, like a touching evil short story that, um, that again won't be featured anywhere else. That is very cool. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. Yeah. That is super cool. Yeah. Stuff like that, you know, exclusives that you'll never see again, you know? And, yeah. Exactly. And so it makes it feel like you're really, you know, kind of like in the the elite club of, of <laughs> fan base because you know if you have this comic you are literally one of a select few that will i mean i'm only printing up enough to do this uh to do this this kickstarter with the the one above that is a beardo and touching evil crossover so if we hit 14 grand i'll do that as well like you'll get another comic which is going to be i'm pretty hilarious i'm actually really looking forward to that if we can make it happen well, dude, you're well on your way. I mean, you're you're cruising along. Um, I know there's ups and downs throughout the course of an entire Kickstarter, but uh, the base is set pretty damn well for you there, I'd say. You know. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's um it's definitely off to a, a really great start. Um, well, Beardo's got to be good. See, that's where I'm taking it from because I've only read the bit of Touching Evil that I have, and I I love it. It's fantastic. Which you know, whether Beardo's different or not. It's got me wanting to read it, so I'm excited to go back now and check out what you've been doing for the past decade. You know, so <laughs> yeah. so what what brought the horror turn then? Um, I'm I'm just a really big fan of uh, of things that are 
suspense or horror or thriller or supernatural stuff. Like I'm a huge uh, Twilight Zone fan, and I I really feel like um, the the Twilight Zone vibe was something that I wanted to kind of inject into Touching Evil as I was writing it because I just really enjoy that kind of storytelling, you know, where it's it's uh, taking the ordinary and, and throwing some extraordinary thing in there that not only is creepy and spooky, but also has the opportunity for like actual social commentary on, on the human condition. So for me, um, growing up on, on shows like that just really, I think, corrupted my brain. Uh, well, it's a good corruption, man. Yeah, it's, I'll take uh, it. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's uh, it's good times, man. There's it's it's big right now too. You know, there's a lot of really original, creative, you know, thriller type stories coming out these days, and it's it's exciting, exciting stuff to read. You know. Yeah, and I feel like it, there's there's an audience out there now that is more. Um, I don't know. I would say smarter, but definitely more um, more willing to take a long term story than 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 they used to be like the long form story was a was kind of a no-no when i was younger it was like you know just get to the point and get out but now with i think all these shows that are like you got to watch a full season to really appreciate the show or the decompressed kind of nature of some of the mainstream comics i think it's made it possible for people to tell a story that's um you know that has a little bit more meat to it like like this one um, totally agree. It's uh, it's a creative time, and it, it's nice to see because even at a time when uh, you know a time of remakes and reboots, and people complaining about that, you dig enough, and you're gonna find that original stuff, you know. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. people who say that it's just reboots and remakes, I don't think that they've experienced uh, an artist alley before. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, this is going to have to be one of the shorter conversations that we'd like to have. I would love to keep going. Sure. But as the listeners can hear, uh, both of us have little young individuals <laughs> in, in the backgrounds yeah. who need attending to. I've actually got to run my son over to his fifth birthday party. Oh, happy birthday to him. Yeah, very, very cool. Thank you. But uh, again, congratulations on the birth of your daughter. That's fantastic, man. Thanks, yeah. And uh, I, I'm glad we got this in because I really wanted to meet you, and uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime because I really am. I'm impressed as hell by Touching Evil, and uh, I really wanted to help get the word out there because you kids, you've got to check this out. Please go to the Kickstarter, Touching Evil by Dan Doherty. Uh, it's, it's excellent stuff, especially uh, when you're doing it all yourself, man. Sometimes when guys are writing and drawing their own books, you know, there's one that's obviously kind of better sided than the other, but this is a perfect awesome well-balanced book love the art love the writing uh it's great stuff so uh where uh where can people find the rest of your work like beardo and stuff uh real simple you can go to beardocomics.com and i've got all my books and uh, everything up there you can even go and read beardo for free on gocomics.com backslash beardo you can find me on facebook by searching any of the titles or just my name um, and then, yeah, like, like you just said, the Kickstarter is live and it's, uh, if you go to Kickstarter, just search touching evil and you'll find it. Very, very cool kids. Definitely, definitely do that. And also join me in my backlog adventure as uh, I dwell into what is Beardo. Uh, Dan, thank you so much, sir. Good luck with uh, the Kickstarter. I'm sure it's going to be a, a bang up thing. Thanks a lot, Jason. I appreciate it. No problem. Kids, that is all we are going to have this week on an elegant weapon. Take it easy.